Hey there, once again, welcome, one and all, to Plenty of Noise. This is a podcast slash radio show that I am doing in association with a radio station called Radio Firework. Me, my name is Nick, I am your host, I sing and play guitar in a band called Cadet Carter, and this is my little show about everything rock. Um, I'm glad you guys tuned in. I'm glad most of you or some of you have already listened to the uh, other episodes of this show. I've been getting great feedback and it really motivates me to keep doing this. Um, We've got a great show tonight with a great guest, a friend of mine, singer-songwriter Kaylee Goldsworthy joins this show. She is a singer-songwriter in her own right. She also plays with Dave Haas and the Mermaid. She plays with uh, Frank Ayero, who is also in My Chemical Romance, by the way. And she's an all-round badass. And we talked about uh, songwriting, different approaches to songwriting. And we also talked about cooking and... uh, and podcasts, actually. It's been a great conversation. Um, But before we get into this, I have another announcement to make because today, when this show airs, it's uh, Friday the 13th of November. It's Friday the 13th. (laughs) And uh, my band, Cadet Carter, has just released a brand new single. It's called The Best Part. It is a song about positivity in challenging times. And I wanted to give this song kind of a radio premiere tonight. Um, I really hope you guys like this song. This is the best part by my band Cadet Carter on Plenty of Noise.
Cadet Carter, the best part on Plenty of Noise. This is the new single by my band. Thank you for listening. If you like this song, stream the shit out of it on Spotify, on Apple Music. There is also a video up on YouTube. Just tell your friends, let everyone know if you like this song. Enjoy. But now, without further ado, here is my conversation with the great singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist and all-around badass, Kaylee Goldsworthy. <laughs> Hi, Kaylee. How are you? I'm sorry. I'm good. I'm How are you? I'm sneaking breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's totally fine. Ah, You look good. How have you been? Thanks. You know. Hold on, I'm going to swallow. It's all right. It's only a podcast. It's not a, a YouTube thing. Okay, cool. I didn't know if it was going to be um, video or just audio. No, no, just okay. audio. It's a thing that I've started um, out of pure boredom, really. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I have a lot of time on my two. hands. Oh, yeah, you have. <laughs> you, you have. Are yeah. you, isn't, isn't one of those about about cooking actually yes um yeah it's called friends with benedicts and um we me and dave hidalgo jr the drummer yeah. of social distortion him and i have been friends for many many years and we have toured a couple times together because he played drums for dave haas on the tour yeah so we became really good friends and we just love food so we just started that again out of boredom so you As put well. two and two together. We're good yeah, friends. Well, we, we like had food. The, we had the Instagram account going for years, but we never yeah. really did anything with it. And then finally, once this hit, um, I was just like, yeah, it's time to let's do some more with yeah. that. Cool. Does that? I, I don't know about you, but I miss traveling with food. Like I miss that experience. Tell me well. about it. It's I, I miss the whole experience, really. I never thought I would. To be honest, because touring, to me, touring was always kind of a, you know, a kind of a thing that I had to do. And I'm, I'm a studio guy. I love being in, 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 in a studio and recording music and all that kind of stuff. And then someone says, uh, well, we better, we better go out, out there and play live. So, and then I, I do it and I enjoy it. But it's, um, if I had to choose, it's, it, it, it's, it would always be the studio for me. But how about yeah, you? Huh. I mean, what what are what are you what are you doing all day long uh, apart from the uh, podcast thing? Uh, are you like do you play music at all? I do um, I did a couple of you know it's interesting. Um, I don't have like a private studio space in Philly, but I do have a membership to this awesome. Uh, location organization called rec room philly um and it's basically like a co-working space that also has co-working studio spaces so it's fantastic it's super cool they even have a podcast studio um so i was kind of using that my Mm -hmm. membership to that as a means to um enable me to have a studio space uh and then once everything shut down like it's reopened now but i don't know there's still something um, kind of iffy to me about co-working spaces yeah <laughs> and co-working studio spaces even more than that like yeah um there's not a lot of ventilation and soundproof rooms and uh yeah. you have to like really be careful about that but we also don't know an awful lot about anything <laughs> so it's still a giant mystery so basically i um i've been recording from my house which has been an interesting challenge um, I did some work for the Menzingers acoustic record that just came out. Um, yeah. I did a couple of other projects as well for releases that haven't been announced yet. Um, I'm just writing. I'm working like other r- jobs that I've had in the past just to kind of keep, um, keep some going. income yeah. coming yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm working on another show as well. Um, Friends with Benedicts is finished with the first season, but we're just kind of trying to like, we called at the end of the first season just so that we had some time to regroup and like, very, that's very Netflix of you, <laughs> you know, um, anything to have a mini break. 
And uh, yeah, I'm working on my own show as well to kind of incorporate some more music into that. Cool. Yeah, um, I, wanted, I, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, about you know, your situation in the States being a, a kind of a, I guess it's, it's the thing you do the most, like being a touring musician isn't it? Yeah. So because I yeah. talked to a, a common, a common friend of ours who we uh, toured with a couple of years, I mean, one year ago, I won't mention his name, <laughs> but, um, but he basically said, because I wanted, you know, I, I said, Hey, I'm doing this podcast. Do you want to come on the show and talk about songwriting and, you know, being a musician in 2020 and being into rock music in 2020. <laughs> and he said, um, I'm basically taking taking some time off of music so he really he really said I, I'm, I'm not i'm you know i haven't got a guitar around me i don't i'm not writing any songs i i'm out in the woods being uh uh all by myself and with my girlfriend and, and that's it so i wanted Love to talk that. yeah but it sounded kind of uh desperate actually so i felt very sorry because it didn't you know if someone if someone goes, I'm kind of done with the with the musician thing and the the you know uh, going going after music as a as a as a way to make to earn your living, um, I'm fine with that. But it sounded like um, I'm so uh, the world is so fucked up right now. I I I don't know what to do. I'm just uh, I'll just call it quits, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and that was really sad. And that that was one of the first questions that I wrote down for you is like are you like do you still is 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 playing music still your main thing that you do on a like an average day or is it just is it something has it has it probably returned to being uh um being something that you do to to chill you know at, at night just you know, for that's a really good question and it's also something that i've kind of been grappling with since march mm. um you met me from playing in the mermaid. Yeah. And you also, I'm guessing like, you know that I do my music. I play in other bands as well. I yes. do auxiliary for tours. Um, I'm constantly on the road. I'm constantly learning other people's music. I'm constantly keeping myself kind of motivated and creatively stimulated. Yes. And then I decided at the end of 2019, after I did the biggest solo tour that I'd done to date, that I wanted to like take that dive and, and just, you know, I would do other tours. I would play with other bands if the opportunity was there and it felt right. But I wanted to put myself at the forefront of my focus. Mm -hmm. So on January 2nd, I got into the studio and recorded a new record. <laughs> And cool. yeah, except um, 2020 had massively different plans yeah. than I did. Yeah. And um, I think that since March, the biggest struggle that I've had to deal with is, and I think I'm not alone in this at all. I think it's something I realized I needed to really take care of was, um, my mental health yes, and um, what the rug being pulled out from underneath you feels like. And also the struggle of not wanting to feel bad about mourning the loss of your industry when yes. there are seemingly such larger problems in the world. You know, I, I felt that I couldn't feel sad because there are people dying. I felt yes. that I couldn't be upset because the world is a mess right now. I felt that I couldn't, I couldn't possibly feel upset because, you know, my backyard isn't on fire. Yes. Literally. Yeah. Um, and I think it took a long time for me to realize, I always knew that my relationship with music was one that, is very much like a relationship. And there are some times when you kind of have a lover's quarrel with your creative passion. And um, I was mad at music for a minute because I had worked my ass off last yeah. year and I recorded a new record. And, and I now music has let you down? 
you know, I thought that music had let me down. It felt that way. And then I just kind of realized that, um, that it didn't let me down. It's just kind of the circumstance that we're all finding ourselves in. Yeah. Um, and so no music for a long time, probably the first four or five months was not the main priority. It was yeah. not something I was doing every day. I wasn't playing guitar. I wasn't writing. I was angry. Yeah. Um, but I was, I wasn't, I didn't know why I was angry at it. I think I was mad because I wanted to be doing something I couldn't do. And then I was also angry because I was mad at myself for being sad when there are and there's larger, other people with like yeah. worse, worse problems. Exactly. Yeah, so it and seems, you know, totally. And then I just kind of realized through talking to a lot of people and therapists like you know that this We've is all, all totally okay to feel um and it hasn't been until recently that you know i finally started writing music again that i actually really enjoy and i've been doing it for fun um and working on this other show you know i'm so grateful for my agent who doesn't need to be a cheerleader right now like yeah. there aren't shows happening um but it's been in, like a, a really wonderful opportunity and also like the kind of like the claw in the toy machine like I needed to kind of be picked up forcibly yeah <laughs> and and just kind of like put back on the path of being like you know you might feel like you can't do it right now or you might feel like you don't know your place as a musician right now because again I write songs about interpersonal relationships and and I've you know I try to also write songs about about like world events and and feelings and that sort of thing but um I've always just been more of a, an inward storyteller yeah and same. i kind of struggled with like what do i have to say right now that's, that's relevant in any way for some, yeah. yeah yeah and um and so it took a second to like reignite that passion again to remind yourself that like it's not there's no creative uh pursuit that's not worth going after because it helps you it helps other people um but i also you know needed to first get over my own insecurities and um you know shame of feeling so yeah feeling bad just yeah just yeah. feeling <laughs> yeah honestly yeah. so many feelings so um and and but I'm, I'm on the rebound now. What, what, what are your songs? What are your new songs about then? Because I started, you know, um, when this show airs, this is the show where we are, um, where we are going to be presenting our new single. I'm just, you know, I'm a, awesome. I'm, I'm a cross media guy, you know, I'm so excited. Yeah. Hear? Same here. So I decided, we decided to release the, um, the new single on Friday, the 13th of November of all days and awesome. write a song about positivity. So that was, the main thing that we wanted to do. And when I started, um, you know, I started out around here, this is my little home studio space. And uh, I started writing and everything that I came up with was like sad, sl slow numbers. The lyrics were like very dark. And I was like, I, I, sh I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this. So I, I just kind of forced myself to write a, um, sort of an uplifting positive song with with lyrics that, that go you know um uh there's a light at the end of the tunnel you don't know how long that tunnel will be but there is a light at the end of the tunnel That's and awesome. uh, and so we kind of i'm always a very pessimistic guy and now i find myself in the role of, of like releasing an optimistic song for everybody to go like cheer up everybody you know that's, and that's great and that actually speaking of therapy um that has helped me so uh, you know i i felt better after that after that song was like recorded as a demo and i sent it out to to the guys in the band and i was like i've, I've done something positive in so in, in in such negative times you know it's so untypically yeah. me but so i was wondering what are your songs about would you say they are like with a positive outlook or um it's funny i 
have always been the optimist. With really? All, yeah, I, oh, I'm, I, I, I am you. really, I love to see the best in people. I always keep my head up. Um, I don't believe in failure. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't believe in bad days. I think that you kind of have shitty moments, but yeah. um, that's, you know, it doesn't define the day you do. Um, and I tr- have always tried to be that way. But when it comes to my songwriting, um, I have a fascination with feelings. Yeah. And so the songs that I have been writing have been about kind of a close examination of those monsters that we have. Like um, I've, I've been writing a lot about fear mm-hmm. because it's, it's not something that really serves us. Uh, it's the same thing as worry, which is something I tell, you know, my friends or loved ones all the time when they're experiencing it, that it's worry is a wasted emotion because yeah. we don't know what's going to happen. It just causes us to spend time and emotional and physical energy on something that we cannot predict the outcome of. Um, and fear is something that I think we're all struggling with on a mental like a timeline as well as a physical one. Yeah. And so because I have a tendency to internalize a lot of these feelings, I've been trying to take a more positive approach at what the overall vibe is or like uh, plot is of these songs. But I think it's super important to, for me at least to dive deeper into like where This fear is coming from. What is this fear doing? It's not worth it. But also like, you know, I can apply it to my own personal experiences and I can apply it to so many things that are happening outside our houses right now. And many people, I think most people can relate, don't they? I mean, it's something that doesn't get talked about all that often. Like these demons, I'm going to call them. Yeah. There is is a Welsh saying um, that that says, um, worrying doesn't kill you but it still takes your life and i think that's a that's a great sign i love that i'm you know, gonna adopt so that one if, yeah too. because yeah put it in a song i i've tried i failed maybe you can do it <laughs> but, I'll, I'll try but yeah so um it's an interesting thing with songwriters because when you meet people on tour or something they're always you know we are we're musicians, so we, we like to go on stage and have, you know, smile at people and um, make sure that everybody has a great time while we're playing. And it's also positive. And then you just um, head back into the studio and you write and it's the darkest shit, you know, and, and you go, where does that come from? <laughs> you know, it's always, I don't know about you, but I, I, I've, I've experienced that like a lot of times. But I go, where does that come from? Or I... I hand out the lyrics to a new song to the guys in the band and they go, are you okay? Like, Oof, yeah. Um, what's that thing about pills? Have you been taking any like medicine or something? I was like, no, it's, it's just a great, um, you know, it's, it's a great thing to express. It's a, it's a, it's a great comparison. You don't get it, you know? And they go, it's, it's very, do you, do you really like, do you, um, do you want to do you want to sing that in front of people? Do, like, do you have any lyrics that you have like problems singing in front of people, um, or that you have you like um, you've recorded them and then you you think I I don't know if I want anyone to hear this. <laughs> oh, all of the songs. I think. Really? I mean, I have a habit of writing songs that sound happy until you hear the lyrics and then yeah. like you know I thought my first record I released out in 2013 and like I don't really even consider that my first solo record it was more of an exercise and like I just fit I just like my band had just broken up I was just kind of exploring songwriting without yeah. other people yes. um so my last EP that came out in 2017 was the one I I kind of was like, this is me. This is my first go at this. And I was 
taking a much more honest and intimate approach at songwriting. And, um, you know, anybody who knows me well knows what the songs are about yeah, and knows who the songs are about. And there's a lot of vulnerability that I think you have to overcome if you're really one, want to talk about your feelings when they relate to a specific person, a specific thing. And I also, you know, I didn't want to name names and I didn't want to like make it so intimate that like people couldn't apply their own experience to the song, because I think that that is like one of the greatest gifts as a songwriter that we have is the ability to write music that, you know, I've had people tell me that they think this song is about this or how they interpreted the song. It helped them get through a breakup or meeting someone new. And I love that. It's not at all what the song was about for me, but I want my songs to be able to be applicable and, and helpful to people. So I don't really, my old band, Scarlet Ending, we delved really deep into the macabre um, in regards to metaphors and visualizations and lyrics. And I haven't gone too, too dark, um, but it's more so just like a personal unveiling. Yeah. Just like a deeper, a deeper look at like, you know, sure i'm i'm okay but like i'm still gonna talk about this breakup that fucking wrecked me four years ago yeah so you've re you've recorded a new is it a full-length album that you've done just before the the pandemic hit yeah i'm just gonna start doing eps because we're starting the music industry before the pandemic who knows what it's gonna be like once we're out of this if there even Um, is a music industry exactly there will be yeah we need it we need it um everybody needs it uh i as an unsigned artist uh i am digging this whole singles world that's happening again. So the ability for me to go in and record four or five songs, I can do that in a week or two weeks and be done. Yeah. Um, So I kind of like the idea of having a more, at the time I liked the idea of having a more immediate turnaround. Um, I don't know when these songs are going to be released. I, you know, I can't wait for them to be released, but I've also, you know, kind of figured that I would just move in that sort of incremental pace where it's yes. EP. And then, I mean, I thought I would have six months to work on some more songs while I was touring, but, but now they, I'm not touring. I'm still working touring on touring going songs. on. Yeah. So I'm kind of going to start backlogging EPs from here. I think. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> because um, on the last episode of the show, I talked to my friend Matt, who's in the dangerous summer. And they have kind of gone the other way. So they started out recording an EP. And now, because of the pandemic, it turned into a full-length album. And they've gone all independent. Like, they've, I think they, they haven't got a record deal now. So they're doing everything themselves. And they are still, you know, they, they want to release the new album at the end of this year. And I think, I, I mean, we've been talking about this um, with my band would, is it is it a good time to release music right now because people are you know they're at home more often they maybe have more time to listen to music or is it the worst the worst time ever to release music because our record label was like like um they were so we were hearing about like big bands from the states that um our record had to wait for you know because they were like uh, the fast lane <laughs> and uh, they would um, make more money obviously so uh, and then all of that stuff got postponed and moved to 2021 or even further some 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 bands i think even canceled the whole release they were like we'll get back to you when we have a date you know and and we were thinking that might be a great time for like small bands like 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 us to like step step up and uh, fill the airwaves of the radio stations because they are probably desperate for new stuff, which they are not. But uh, uh, yeah, so that was our way of thinking. So like 
would you say you you're definitely going to wait with the new EP until the pandemic has kind of at least um, calmed down a bit before it gets released? The short answer is yes. Yeah. Um, I think for me personally, where I am at as a solo artist, um, having new material would really truly only benefit me in the States if I was able to tour on it immediately. Yeah. I think the, one of the biggest hurdles as an independent American artist is the fact that radio is non-existent. Oh, it's non-existent around here either. <laughs> oh, okay. I know it's, it's different in some other countries. I don't know. I can't, you know, I don't know what it's like for you guys, but I mean, let's just say for the music that we do and probably the, the, the kind of music that you do, there's no like radio landscape that you can uh, work with. You know, there's yeah, I mean, there's the, NPR, there's the local yeah. NPR stations like our public radio. Um, and then, you know, the handful of radio stations that have been supportive to me in the past, but nothing more mainstream. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the challenges that I also kind of grappled with when this whole thing happened and I had, I, you know, I know I'm sitting on this record was the fact that, you know, depending on your size and reach, your booking agent is already working on your next headline tour and, and figuring out the yeah. dates and putting holds for next year. I don't have that opportunity. I'm, you know, I'm still a support act on a good tour or a yeah. headliner on a smaller tour. And Same right here. now we're at complete and utter risk of not having independent venues, which would be like, I don't know where, I, I guess basement shows are going to have to come back yeah. <laughs> if that ends up happening. Um, so for me, I think the best course of action, because also I wanted to start um, courting relationships with labels and, yeah. and starting to see where I can start getting some additional support from instead of doing everything on my own, which I've always yeah. been happy to do. But um, you've got I, to try it, don't you? I mean, asking for help is never a bad idea. No, is what no. I've and heard. even if it so, even if it doesn't work out, it's an experience, you know. Exactly. Um, and you know, I. I want to give my music that opportunity. And as much as I would love to release this album right now, I just don't know with the landscape of what's going on here and elsewhere, honestly, but um, I don't think that it would be as beneficial. Yeah. Are there any gigs going on at all? Like, live streams that's yeah it. and and actually like there are some drive-in concerts yeah that are happening i heard um, about uh i think silverstein have done one mm -hmm. recently that was must have been front bottoms big. did one in philadelphia i know there's a couple other places in pennsylvania and i mean that's fantastic yeah i for for me i could do a live stream but do you, you know, want to like is it something yeah. that you enjoy? Because I did, I did too. When the pandemic hit in March, I was like, I've got to do something. We've got this record coming out because our album was released in May. So yeah, yeah, it was bad, bad timing. So the record label went, you've got to do something. The tour is canceled. So I went on, I, I went on Instagram and I was like playing my songs and people were so grateful that you know, anything was going on really. <laughs> that they could watch on their couch, you know? And so you'd play the song and then the song ends and there's just silence. And you look into the lens of your, of your cell phone and you, you go, you're probably clapping. So thank you. And I, 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 I must admit, I hated it. It's I, tough to, to, to do the, like one of the best parts about playing a show is that energy and that interaction yeah. you get from yeah. the crowd. And because otherwise it's the most uncomfortable, vulnerable thing. Like, I don't know about you. I have a harder time playing my music to one or two people than I do a room of a thousand oh, people. Oh, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. cool. I, I, I figured I'm not alone in that. No. Um, 
playing to a computer is like playing to one person and yeah. it's, and staring them straight in the eyes, but their <laughs> eyes that green dot. Yeah. And, it's and the so... computer go and it goes like this. Convince oh, yeah. me now. Oh, it, play oh, your well, best tune. Play Wonderwall. So, uh, <laughs> um, I, I have only done one live stream and it was the booze cruise. It was to benefit the venue. Yeah, I did that as well. Yeah, I did that too. Um, and then I'm going to do another concert on election night. I'm working with an organization called I Voted and you are only eligible to get tickets to the event if you post a selfie of yourself at a polling location. Cool. Um, and I felt that that was like an incredibly important thing to do. There's so many incredible bands that are becoming a part of this festival. It's like hundreds of bands. Like it's cool. so cool. Um, but other than that, I kind of stray, stray away from it. It's <laughs> like, I don't, I don't dislike it. I've been yeah. posting some Instagram videos of me playing songs, but, um, the live aspect is like, you can't possibly keep up with the comments rolling in if you're actually trying to yeah. like be in the moment. Exactly. Exactly. So we did, there are kind, there are live shows going on in Germany right now. So Didn't we did you play it, one. We did um, at the Olympic stadium in Munich, which holds, I think 60,000 people and they let 500 in to keep the necessary distance. It was the weirdest thing. And I couldn't sleep for three days because um, you know, at the Olympic Stadium, I used to go see like all the the big bands when I was younger, and with my with my parents and all that. Kind of, I, I went to see U two. I remember seeing ACDC there, I think, and and you know all that kind of stuff. And I would always say to my mom when I was like fourteen or something, I would um, I want to play music and I want to do the following things. I want to release a record. I want to be on tour. I want to play big festivals and I want to play the Olympic stadium in Munich once. And for like the last three or four years, I had four of those five on my list. I had them done, you know, and I was like, but the Olympic stadium's never going to happen. <laughs> you know? So I was like, yeah, four out of five. That's good. And then the it's call came chills. in. Do, 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 do you guys, do you guys want to play the Olympic stadium? I was like, that's, Who's who's this? You know who's who's on the phone. That's it. Must be a prank call. But things are never as good as you imagine them to be. So it was it was really weird. So people had to wear masks when they got in, and they were allowed to take them off when they were um, sitting down and watching the show. And when they got up to dance or sing along or, any, uh, or anything like that, they had to put them back on. And there were like 30 security guys around the area jumping into the crowd going, put that mask on right now. And it was, it was weird. So I, I don't remember anything about the show. I just looked out for people in the crowd going, he doesn't have a mask on. He's, that's, that's, did, you, did you at least get that one moment where you were? Yeah, like, I told the story. <sighs> I, I told the story on, on stage. Like I, I've, I've, I've told the crowd. So like this is, I don't know about you, but this is a big deal for me. <laughs> and, that's amazing. Which is very egocentric. I wouldn't do that normally on, no, on stage. No, that's, like, I mean, but that's also. Hey, let's make this about very, me and me alone. You know, it's not my kind of thing. That's a very human thing. And it's also really amazing that the people that were there understood. I mean, there's always there's always seemingly a wall between yeah. the audience member and the artist, especially when you become a like not that I know what it feels like to become a large artist, but once you start playing larger venues, yeah, it's not the same. It doesn't feel the same. It feels like there's actual distance. Yes, um, absolutely. On both sides, from a crowd member and from a person on stage, there's physical distance and there's a lot more emotional distance. Yeah, and I think that um, when you close that gap a little, it's really endearing yeah that's it's cool. really endearing so when the pandemic hit i was like so we were on tour we had this record coming out we you know it was it felt like a job a, a great job but a job and now then i i left the guitar in the basement for like four or six weeks and then i started playing again and i was like i'm really enjoying this so i don't need the whole business side of it i'm enjoying uh making demos on my own and you know um 
showing them to my wife who goes, that's a good song. It's very typically you, but yeah, that's a good song. And that's, that was enough for me. How about you? Like, do you miss like the, the audience? Do you miss, do you, do you miss being in the business? I do. Really? And maybe it's because, um, I've grown. Here's the thing. I don't like being a solo artist. Yeah. I love the camaraderie of being in a band. I love, I hated when I was recording my first record, um, asking the session players, my friends that were playing in my band, being like, what do we think about this? And they'd be like, well, it's your song. Yeah. And I'm like, ugh, I need Give me your opinion now. Yeah, I need that community. Um, And so I always knew that when... I would click as a solo artist would be when I worked with the right producer. Yeah. When I got the right group of friends to play and explain to them explicitly, like, I really would like for you, even though this is a one-time thing, I really would like for you to kind of act as though you are in this band. I want your opinion. I value your opinion. Um, And I, I need that. And I, so that's why I think I loved, I fell into being like the hired gun session auxiliary player, touring musician, all of that stuff. But I loved that because I could write at night on the bus or, you know, in an hotel elevator, if I was by myself or something like that, I have voice memos. That's how I record songs. Yeah. Most people do. Yeah. And, um, I, I loved the community of being around other musicians. And I think that when it all kind of got stripped away, I was forced to kind of like just be alone in my thoughts once again. And although I don't dislike that, it's taken a lot longer for me to like be like, oh, right, I do like playing. Yeah. But I've also been doing a lot of session work for other people. And that, oh my God. Like if I have a deadline for myself of a song that I need to write for me and finish by this date, I will wait until the night before. But <laughs> That's when, such a musician thing to say. Oh, I think most people are like that. Most musicians when, are. But when I was approached with session work, I was like, sick, I'll send it to you tomorrow. Yeah. I'll get it done right now. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah, think cool. that I miss like the community aspect of it. So yeah. I have a question for you being in a band like were you guys working together during that time when you couldn't was there a time when you guys could not all get together well we could have because we have our own studio and all that kind of stuff uh, outside of the city so you know no police around or anything so you could basically when i would you know i live in a in a small village sixteen thousand people live here sixteen thousand. So when I get out of out of the house and go for a you know for a run or something, I'll just you know there there'd be no one in the forest. So nothing really changed for me. But Passy, our bass player, he lives in downtown Munich, and he was like, "I we we won't be able to see each other for the for the next couple of months." And I was like, "What? Why? Get on the train, get over here, let's start working on stuff." And he was like, "I'm I'm that's too dangerous." So he was like, he was really scared. Mm-hmm. And that went on for like eight weeks. And then we were allowed to meet in, to meet again in groups of five maximum, five people. So that was like, that's, that's good. We are four. <laughs> so four. we started we working on it, but um, we didn't really. So I came up with the song that's going to be our, our, our next single called The Best Part. And um, we have never had bigger fights about a song than on this one. Because I was like, I know how to do this thing. And then John would go, well, I could, how, how about I play a, a lead guitar thing like, like this? And I was like, no, 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 we don't need that. <laughs> so I was like, kind of a, it was kind of a dictatorship. So I felt like a solo artist for the first couple of days because I was like, you play this, you play this, don't play that. You know, and they were like stripped of their creativity. Really, they were like, "What? What am I? Do, what am I doing?" So Passy kind of at one point he handed me the bass. He went, 
well, you play it then. If you know how to play it, you play it. And, I, and then I realized if, if, if you, you've got to let them have their kind of creative freedom, at least a little bit. So it's your song. Those are your lyrics. That's all okay. But you, you, there must be some way in for those people because otherwise you might just, like you said, hire some people that are great at what they do. The best drummer in town. You go. You play like this. You you play that, and and they do, and it's gonna. It it can be a great song, but I think it's a better song when you kind of open up a little bit and let other people contri- contribute for a change. And that's yeah. really hard for me. So when you say you are kind of a you are a band person, so you like being like bouncing bouncing stuff off of each other and and. I'm not like that at all. I prefer if music were, kind of, were a game of chess, really. So you go there and then that happens. One of the things that I've found from being in a band where I wrote all of the songs, either me or my sister wrote all of the songs. Yeah. Um, and this could maybe be a useful tool as well. If you feel so strongly about a specific uh, organization, instrumentation of the song is I've had my bandmates be like, look, I want your input on this, but I want you to hear it the way I'm hearing it. Can you just try it this way? And let's see if how it feels. And then once you know where I had it in my head, do it your way. I just want you to hear what I'm hearing. And then most of the time they understand yeah, because also it's more like an exercise too, where like, I'm not, oh my gosh, I've been trying to write this instrumental for my show, trying to write a theme song, and I can't play drums for yeah. shit, obviously. I, I'm not a drummer, um, but <laughs> my boyfriend is a drummer. I yeah. can't even do it in Garage Band. So I finally <laughs> like went downstairs and I was like, Joe, please, 10 seconds of drums, please, just do it, just do it. And he's like, yeah. well, what do you want it to sound like? I was like, a nineties rock song, 10 seconds of drums go. Yeah. And like in five minutes he had done it. And I was just like, Oh, thank God. That could like, have been so much easier. <laughs> oh, if I, if I just asked you firsthand, but yeah, yeah, I think sometimes like we have such a vivid as a songwriter, we have such a vivid idea of what we want the song to become. Yeah. That that's great. And that's perfect. The value that I find in having other musicians is that it helps you from getting stuck in the same songwriting rut that you find yourself in. I write the same song over and over and over again. How do you make it different? You get people's opinions. You get other people bringing what they're strong at to the table. And so I've always found that sometimes it's best to convey your opinion and then be like, that's what I'm hearing. Tell me what you think. Because more often than not, once they hear what you hear, they'll hear it too. Yeah. But then they'll be like, but if we do this, yeah. I think that'll really but push it. Do you get excited about other people's ideas then? Like instantly, yes. does somebody play yes. a guitar lick and you go, that's it. Because I yes. never do. It, I'm, it takes days. So I have, <laughs> it takes days. So, so we do a song and most of the time I start out with Benny, our drummer, in the studio, we, we lay down some kind of basic track and then I overdub all the guitars the way I want them to sound. And then they take the guitars out and John comes in and plays his parts. And then I have, I don't know, I, I suppose it's called demo-itis or something. So, and, and they send it around and I put it on and I was like, oh my God, it's shit now. You know, it, it's, the song dies for me. It's not, it's not, not as good as it was. It's, it sucks big time. So, and then I'm, Here's, that's I'm not sorry. fair. It's, it's not fair for, you know, if you're collaborating with other musicians, it's just not fair. I guess I have always thought about, and maybe it's like I have master imposter syndrome syndrome where I'm just like, <laughs> it's not good enough. Nothing is good enough. I'm not <laughs> as good as I think I am. Um, I'm not good at all. But when I worked, so my last EP, I worked with Arun, um, Arun Bali from Saves the Day. We play music together as well. And we write music together. Um, 
And so I knew having him as a producer would be the next best thing to having a bandmate. Um, he's also a shredder on guitar. Yeah. Um, he so can I play trust pretty much him. everything. Yeah. Yeah. I trust him explicitly. And then also for this EP, I got into the studio with Will Yip, who is someone who I've always wanted to work with because he does the Menzingers and Tiger's Jaw and Turnover and like all of these bands where I'm like, he he knows. Yeah, he brings out the best in those bands. Yes, and so I always get excited because I may love the song that I'm going to in a demo form, but he's always, Will, especially when I first got into the studio with him, he was like, okay, are you open to trying things? Because we can try them, and then if you don't like them, they're gone. Yeah. But are you open to trying some weird shit? I suppose I'm not. Yes. I wouldn't be. That's the difference. And I think I, you gotta yeah. unlock that part of your yeah, brain. Yeah, I envy you, you so much for that because expand. I'm like, if a producer went, "Are you open to trying new ideas?" I was like, "Hell no!" You know, I know how to do how this song should sound oh, like in my head. You it's, need to find that there's there's so much freedom yeah. in letting go. That's, Sometimes you that's can't wise, yeah. be the only driver. Because if you've got a long drive, you're not going to make it all yeah, the way there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't know what, what, I think that that's part of the magic for me is, is having this little seedling and seeing what it becomes. Yes. I know that in the bones, the song is good. I want to hear how much better it can yeah. become with other people's input. We ended up arguing about two guitar parts that were like three seconds long for four days until I gave in and I was like, oh, fucking hell. Are you happy with the finished part? Yes, that was, that, yeah. That, that, Oops, sorry, that's your dog. That's your dog? Yes. She's tiny too. It's all right. She a, sounds big though. She's got a big dog bark. Yeah. But she's about 25 pounds. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so it took me, uh, I think, three or four days and then I heard it too. So I put the song on like 30 times a day and I was like, ah, oh, it's not as good as it, as it could be. Maybe you uh, need like a mantra when you're in the Yeah. Studio. And then after like, <laughs> it clicked after like a couple of days and I was like, I actually, I think I love this, you know, but it took ages and it's that, I suppose that makes it very hard for people to work with me. And well, it's hard as a songwriter to relinquish the control over the piece of music that you've held dear for so long in the writing process. Yeah. But uh, I have one more question that I ask all my guests on the show. And I think we've talked about this when we were on tour together. Um, have you ever heard of a thing called German compliments? Yes. <laughs> They're my favorite thing in the world. Um, they make you a tougher individual. <laughs> Why is that a thing? I mean, I'm half... You tell me. I don't I'm know. Ha- you know, <laughs> it's, I suppose we've never really thought about it, but it happens to us as well. So I'm half, half British, half German. So I never, I never considered myself German in any way. So I kind of look at them, at them from an outward perspective. I was born in Munich, by the way, so I'm probably more German than I, than I want to admit. But um, so I think it was Dave, Dave Oz, I think, first talked to me about it. And he was like, man, German people are so brutally honest when they come up to you at the merchandise stand after the gig. And then I kind of did some research online, and there's actually a Twitter thread where like people find that I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you the link. It's Please hilarious. Do. And they, and, 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 and you read them and I, in my mind, I read them with like the thickest German accent. So, so people walk up to the, to the guy at the merch table, to the musician at the merch table and go, uh, this show, not so good. Why not so good? Last show was very good last year. Mm-hmm. And then they go, but I will take, um, the t-shirt in size XL, please. Yes. So why, why? <laughs> Or that was a really great show. Why did you get so fat? And I was like, what? But yeah, then, it's, it's, um, do it's, you have like a favorite story, like a favorite German compliment that you got or that you heard, heard about? 
No, I don't have one that was personal. Here's the thing is that like they happen so frequently when I'm over there and none of them, I guess, have necessarily been aimed directly at, at me. Actually, I feel as though I probably got a couple when I opened a few shows for Dave. Yeah. Um, where they asked why I didn't have vinyl of my EP because they didn't want to buy the vinyl of the full length because it's not as good um, or something like that. And I'm <laughs> like, well, they, thank you. <laughs> how would they know though? Ger- but see here, the German compliment, the secret to the German compliment is to, is that they, it leaves you feeling so shitty. Yes. You don't know when they did it to you. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they, without a doubt, preface it or somehow sneak in a compliment. And, but it is nowhere near as potent as yeah. the poison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally, get, I totally get what you mean. Because you're taken aback a bit. Like, and, and I think that's the moment that you know you've been had is when you have that moment of silence to actually think about what was just said and be like, oh, you kind of just offended me. Yeah. But you're, but you've already moved on and you want a t-shirt. Yeah. So he's basically buying his way out of this by, yeah. by buying the t-shirt. Um, Kelly, it's been great talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for having you, me. You have a, you have a great rest of the day. Thanks it's, and have a good evening. You say you say hi to everybody I know if you meet we'll them or do. talk to them. We'll do. I absolutely will. Take care. Cool. Say hello for me as well. Yes. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Yep. Bye. So there it was, my conversation with Kaylee Goldsworthy. I want to thank Kaylee once again for coming on the show. And I'm gonna leave you guys with a song by Kaylee's former band. This song is one of my favorite songs of all time. This is the Scarlet Ending with The Way We Used To Be on Plenty Of Noise. I'll see you next time. Peace.